Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad if our host was in a beauty pageant, his talent would be putting one foot in front of the other. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, coming to you here on a uh, lovely, lovely September morning recording this as we finish up. I believe we are finishing up our eighth year now. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know. how, How do you do the math there? Uh, so going into year, we started on uh, September 20-something of 2012, and now here we are on September 14th of 2021. So, All right, on this week's episode in Pipe Parts, it's a review of Cornell & Deal's Carolina Red Flake, the 2017 crop, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll talk about that in Pipe Parts and uh, give my opinion on it. And then my guest is a novice pipe smoker, Jess Steer, who you've heard on the show before. He was on during one of the uh, Richmond Pipe Show events. And uh, music suggested by him, mailbag and rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And remember, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show. So if you're not, go ahead and click off now and uh, we'll see you on your uh, legal birthday. All right, don't forget, uh, upcoming uh, first weekend in October, the uh, Richmond Pipe Show event at the Sutliff Tobacco Factory. You can go online and uh, find out all the details about that. Um, Sadly, I won't be there, but again, yeah, hey, I'll be hopefully in uh, Italy and Greece. Uh, Just to update you a little bit on that, uh, we do have to, we have to... Yeah, travel now is not easy, and it's not it's it's a whole lot it's a whole lot more difficult than it used to be because we have to have a uh, negative COVID test taken within seventy two hours of arriving in Italy. Then we spend the night in Rome, and then we get on when we go to the boat the next morning. When we go to get on the ship, we have to get tested there, and it has to be negative there. Anything shows up positive. Uh, the trip is over, so I'm uh, we're we're staying away from as many people as possible right now, hoping that our trip goes off. Uh, shows of the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show will will keep putting out new shows each week for you. So I'll be uh, pre-recording a bunch, and you'll have brand new shows each week while I'm gone. So if you get a chance, follow me on uh, Facebook or Instagram. I'll uh, try to post on uh, try to post some stuff from the trip there. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and we're going to talk specifically about the Cornell and Deal Carolina Red Flake, the uh, tin of 2017 that I am 
just now finishing up as I'm recording this. And so let me back up. Uh, first of all, you know, as I've said before, in the uh, warm summers of the South and the humid warm summers of the South, in the mornings, I like to have a straight Virginia. So that straight Virginia can, any, can be anything from a McCraney's Red Ribbon to an Orlick Golden Sliced, uh, the uh, McBaron uh, HH Pure Virginia, uh, you know, something in that line, something without Perique, but is a straight Virginia. I have one can open at a time. Um, now, let me tell you what I think about annual productions like this. I'm not, I'm not a fan of them, and I'm not a fan of them for a couple, for a couple of reasons. Uh, I don't like them because, well, like this series, this one in 2017, there was only 2,400 tins of it made. Well, what happens if I really like that one? Well, I can only get X amount. I can't continue to get it. This is the same problem that I had with, uh, like with McClellan's Christmas cheer. There was only X amount made. And you really wanted to let it sit in the can for a little bit before you figured out how much you really liked it. And then once you did that, well, it was too late. You know, it was sold out. Or on the other side, you know, you buy 10 or whatever. You buy whatever you can get your hands on or whatever the limit is. And what happens if you don't like that production? So I'm not a fan of limited productions like this. However, I do have some. And I have more than I should have. But, again, so this one was from 2017. This was, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the elephant in the room, this was the year after the mold issue with the 2016 one. So I'm going to technically really call this the first version of it. And here is the description from TobaccoReviews.com. It says, A blend of the finest North Carolina-grown red Virginias harvested in... 2015, this is talking about the 2016 one, so harvested a year before. Our Carolina Red Flake is a tribute to the Old Belt, plucked straight from Carolina soil. These top-tier Virginias were all grown, thrashed, blended, pressed, and then lovingly sliced and tinned right here in the heart of old tobacco country. Sweet, tangy, and spicy, Carolina Red Flake is both surprisingly straightforward and pleasantly complex you'll find it's rich deep and it's rich deep and earthy with undertones of dried cranberries orchard grass and citrus we're proud of our heritage and we're particularly proud of this damn near perfect red virginia flake all right so all those fancy undertones of uh, fruit and grass and citrus i don't get it but that might have been what they were what they picked up in 2015 here's what uh Here's what the 2017 tin reminded me of. It reminded me of a, uh, it reminded me of something that McClellan might have made in order to attempt to not make it taste like the signature McClellan. I enjoyed this immensely and I'm kind of sad that I don't have another tin of it cuz the next crop that I have is from 2019. And again, there was only 2,400 tins of this made. Uh, I've had some 
experience with it, but with this four years of or five years of age on this tin, four years, uh, it really blossomed into its own. It had some deep richness to it. It had some of the uh, traditional sweeter red Virginia taste to it. And at the same time, it had a little bit of a tanginess to it that really kind of, you know, really kind of uh, surprised me and made me think that with that tanginess, you know, maybe I could put it in a larger pipe and it would smoke just well, you know, just fine and dandy. And it did. So it wasn't just relegated to a sweet experience. It was sweet and a little tangy. Uh, again, with Cornell and Deal, you get two ounces of tobacco instead of 1.76 ounces in a 50 gram tin. So you get an extra quarter ounce, which is you know, at least three, four more bowls full. Uh, moisture level in it was it was still a little too wet, so that meant a little bit of drying down was necessary for me. Uh, rubbing it out was relatively easy, and it really didn't need to be rubbed out that much i mean i i literally could do the you know just kind of clump a little bit of rubbing and then get some uh get some thicker pieces in there and it would smoke really slowly and coolly uh i'm looking forward to seeing what the 2019 does because i believe that's the next crop that i have any of the red flake in and i think it's something that you know if you're looking for an option uh if you're looking for a sweet and tangy Virginia, this is a really good mix. It's going to age really well. I still, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I would let it go much more than 10 years in that can. But again, the, it it's gonna, after 10 years, it, that can is packed pretty tight. It's going to start to bulge. And I would be worried about it bulging at that point and maybe popping so if you want to go longer than 10 years maybe you want to try a glass jar but again i really enjoyed this i enjoyed it even in the middle of the day and i had one bowl late at night or you know as my evening going to bed bowl just to see if that tanginess had enough impact in you know for the for an end of the day bowl and it sure did so very impressed with the Cornell and Deal Carolina Red Flake. Very impressed with the 2017 edition. Uh, just to brag on myself, and again, I picked this up for, I believe, $10 at the Columbus show. And that tin of tobacco retailed for more than that when it came out. So, again, another benefit to going to pipe shows. Every, you, know, you come across these deals and, uh, you know, hey, pick them up, grab them. So for 10 bucks, I smoked, you know, probably 25 bowls out of it and really enjoyed the heck out of it. All right, Cornell and Deal Carolina Red Flake 2017 production. Uh, in a year or so, maybe next year, I'll look at the eight, uh, look at the 2019 Carolina Red Flake that I have stored away because by that time, by next summer, it'll be about three years old. So there you go. Comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And in just a moment, my conversation with Jess Steer. This is Internet Radio. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. 
One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special Red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes Autumn Evening so well loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show with another seven questions for a novice pipe smoker. And this time it's a novice who we've heard on the show before because, uh, Jess, we, we met at the uh, Richmond Pipe Show uh, Sutliff Factory Tour thing a couple of years ago. Um, I think it was three years ago now. So uh, maybe two. I don't know. I'm getting old. Uh, I'm, I'm getting old, and we had that discussion before we started recording. But anyway, uh, novice pipe smoker and uh, new father again, Jess Steer. Welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so are we getting sleep now? Because you just had a baby a couple weeks, a month or so ago. Ah, uh, well, um, yes, generally I'm, I'm getting sleep at night. Um, and she's actually been sleeping pretty well through the night for about a month now. So we're doing okay. Good, good. All right. So let's get to know you. Where'd you grow up? Uh, what'd you want to be when you grow up? Did you grow up? And so on. I may have grown up. Um, <laughs> this a little bit of a debate maybe, but, um, I was born in uh, Silver Spring, Maryland, and uh, did my childhood time uh, in Bowie, which is kind of between D.C. and Baltimore. Um, and I was actually homeschooled my entire um, childhood and, and teen years. And uh, when I was 15, my family relocated to the extreme southwestern corner of Michigan because uh, my dad had a career change. And, uh, and I, yeah, yeah. so that's. <laughs> you, you ended that's up that. tagging along because you had to. Yes, I was not out of the house yet. Yeah. Um, but that was fine. I, I enjoyed moving to Michigan. We went, we went from a, a, like a small neighborhood to 10 acres with woods and, all kinds of stuff. Oh, cool. So, uh, you, you went off to college and then if I understand right, that's kind of where your uh, career took off too. Yeah. So, um, I went to Berea college in Kentucky. Uh, it's, it's kind of in central Kentucky, about 40 minutes south of Lexington. Um, and yeah, I went, went there and then, I, I graduated, I got my, uh, my bachelor's in psychology and I, I did some other kind of short term jobs in the area and then moved back to Berea, um, and got a job with the campus ministry that I was a part of as a student here. 
So for those that don't know, kind of describe a campus ministry. <laughs> a campus ministry? Yeah, or yours. How's that? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so I work for a national campus ministry, and we plant um, chapters at universities all over the country. Um, and, I mean, in, in many ways, it, uh, from my side of the work, it's a, it's a lot like being a pastor, mm-hmm. um, but your congregation completely changes every four years, um, and you have no church building to worry about, and you can be pretty mission-focused um, with that, and you have one specific age group that you're, you're working with. Um, and so it looks, what it looks like mostly is Bible studies, uh, around campus. And our ministry really focuses on trying to reach different corners of campus, so to speak. So, um, whether that's, you know, like theater students or students of different ethnicities, um, kind of meeting and, and encountering Jesus in their sort of ethnically specific ways. Um, or it could be interest-based. So like I have one, uh, group that I do called the Dead Theologian Society, and that (laughs) basically focuses on reading dead theologians. Um, although sometimes we break the rules on that. Sometimes we read live ones, but, um, (laughs) uh, but anyway, so it's, uh, so a lot of it is, um, equipping students to do, uh, ministry work, like leading Bible studies and, um, also learning how to share their faith in ways that aren't, um, unnecessarily offensive and, um, and also just teaching them spiritual disciplines and, and a whole lot of mentoring that comes along with that. And then also my wife and I, our house is, you could probably throw a rock and hit one of the dorms. We live really close to campus. <laughs> and so our house is a place where students are at a lot, um, so you also and have so to be it, you have to be careful that the kids don't turn around and throw rocks back at you. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so for us it's really kind of a um kind of an it's not just a job, it's a it's a lifestyle and and kind of our whole family embraces it. So the kids think that the college students come over to hang out with them, which <laughs> is sometimes true. <laughs> um and, uh, you know, they, they come over and they hold the cat and they, they cry or they, we talk about what they need to talk about. And, uh, we have groups of them over for meals or for movies or whatever. And, um, yeah. And then there's also a, a national and regional component to my work as well. So I help with, I help put on conferences around the country that our organization is doing and, um, just trying to help make those awesome and spirit filled and, um, all that good stuff. So this is really much more of a calling than it is a, a job that you apply for and you really get a chance to, uh, get up close and personal and have a, and have a big impact on these kids that are in a, uh, somewhat volatile time of their life. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, the, the calling story of, of how I, I sense, discerned the call to this work is, is kind of a long one, but um, I, I wouldn't still be doing it if I didn't 
uh, have that. It's been 11 years now. And, yeah, it is a real privilege to work with college students. Um, they are probably the most, in, other than, like, little little kids, they're probably the most inquisitive age group. Um, yeah. And not only are they inquisitive and ask really more questions and better questions than a lot of your other age groups will, um, but they are so serious about applying what they're learning because they really are in a stage of their life where they're trying to figure out who they're going to be. Um, and like what's really important to them and, and all of that. And so I get to be at that crossroads. Um, and yeah, it's, there's the fruit is all around me and I, I get to, they come back into town for homecoming and stuff like that. And it's always a really, it's really great to get together with students that have come through the ministry before. And uh, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it sounds, I, I know my son was involved in one on his campus and you know, it was a great bunch of people. So uh, thank you for the work. Now we'll get into the pipe stuff. Uh, when did okay. when did you start smoking a pipe, and how did pipe smoking come into your life? Um, yeah, so it really started, any kind of smoking period kind of started in college, and it was really cigars and, re I mean, really bad, cheap cigars. Um, <laughs> and it was basically just because, you know, if, if you go to college like – I did where I didn't know anybody. Your first group of friends really is your roommate and their friends. And my roommate was a smoker. And um, I would go outside to the smoking area with him and his friends. And eventually I got tired of standing there feeling <laughs> nothing in my hands. <laughs> um, and I figured, well, you're not supposed to inhale cigar smoke. So next, so one time they went down to the smoke shop and I picked up some chocolate flavored Swisher sweets, mm. which tasted like 80% cigarette and 20% chocolate. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but it, you know, I still managed to enjoy it more or less. And then eventually I discovered black and mild and those were considerably better than the Swisher sweets were. <laughs> and, um, and I, I kind of, picked that up and put it down a couple of times. Actually, I, um, I, uh, might, I might have possibly at some point taped up a smoke alarm so that I could smoke in my room at one point. Um, <laughs> possibly I anybody that I did that. Um, anyway, and then, uh, yeah, I kind of like, I set it aside for a while and then I picked it up kind of at random, like once a year kind of a thing after college. And um, back in 2016, uh, my wife and kids were at the beach with my mom and my sister and their kids. It was kind of a mom's and kids vacation. So I was at home alone and I was watching uh, Band of Brothers that week because that's something my wife wouldn't really particularly want to watch. So yeah. I got to watch that. And there's all kinds of smoking going on in Band of Brothers. And so I had a fit of nostalgia um, and I... I found my black and mild and I got one of those out and smoked it while I was watching it. And I was like, this is really nice. I forgot how much I liked this. And then I thought, this is supposed to be pipe tobacco. Maybe I should try a real pipe and real pipe tobacco. <laughs> um, so 
the the first quote unquote real pipe I found, I just got like a twenty dollar Amazon pipe, which probably wasn't even made of real briar. It might not even have been wood. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I got that, and I got a pouch of Captain Black white from a local smoke shop, and um, I did not burn my face off. I did not burn my tongue. My issue was I felt like I must not be a man because I could not keep the darn thing lit. (laughs) Um, And so I was just stressed out the entire time. And, um, but I just, I kept watching, um, I kept watching YouTube videos on uh, how to smoke a pipe and I kept trying and it it eventually got better. and and then I started I started finding slightly better aromatics like one Q, um, and that got a little better. And then I had discovered my local brick and mortar, well, local to me, forty minutes away in Lexington, Schwab's pipes and stuff. And yeah. I got hold of their stuff, and that was that was kind of the aha moment uh, for me uh, because I felt like their uh, ebonite blend, which is one of their so they so. This is, Schwab's actually does mix their own tobacco. They mix it from already made tobaccos like from Sutliff and some other places, but they do mix their own stuff. And when I had their Ebonite blend, it was like, oh, it was like, this is what Captain Black and Lane 1Q are trying to be. This is, this actually promises like what you smell in the jar is what you taste in the smoke and and smell in the room so um anyway that was kind of a big that was the moment i was probably really hooked <laughs> let's take a break right here we've already jumped in and kind of answered question number one so when we come back we'll have question number two with jess so stay with us we'll be back in just a minute Savinelli Pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark, and like you, there can only be one Savinelli. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with novice pipe smoker Jess Steer. So, so it really was that it was kind of that trip to uh, that trip to Schwab's that just said, OK, I've got it figured out and I'm and I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's go on. You ready for question number two? Mm-hmm. Uh, what tobaccos did you try based on a recommendation that you did not like? Um, well, I, I don't know if it was based, I don't think it was based on a recommendation, but haunted bookshop sounded like it would be up my alley. Uh, and so I got a tin of that and I smoked it. And, uh, for me, it was like hot air. I mean, it was, <laughs> it smoked hot in it. There was almost no flavor um so i did not i did not like that at all um 
I think that's the only one that I really did not like. Usually it's, it's less an issue of disliking and more just being underwhelmed. Um, yeah. Or just getting it, getting a blend that just doesn't, uh, you know, just doesn't live up to the expectations. Yeah. Like it's just a lack of, it's not like disenjoyment. If that's a word, I don't think that's a word, but anyway, it's a word today. Um, <laughs> And it's not like I'm disenjoying it. It's more like I'm just not, it's not rising to the level of enjoyment. Yeah. All right. Uh, Question number three, how has your preference in pipes changed over time? You know, bent versus straight, large versus small, smooth versus rusticated. (laughs) Um, At first I was all about bent pipes um, and also church wardens. And so I was getting a lot of those and, um, I, I have, this really surprised me because I thought when I first started that there was nothing more boring looking than a straight billiard. (laughs) Um, and as time has gone on, um, my eye has really gotten drawn more and more to straight billiards. Um, and then also, I think it's kind of a, a little bit of a comfort slash laziness thing because I, I have rather long arms. And when I'm sitting in an armchair and if I'm holding a, a bent pipe, like a, a really bent pipe or, a, you know, more than like a half bent, it's a little awkward to kind of swing that thing over to my mouth. Like I have to kind of position it differently. But a, a straight billiard is the perfect angle uh, for me to, to just sit in a chair and smoke. Now, if I'm going to be walking around, then the bent pipe is definitely better. But, um, but yeah, I, so I basically have in the past couple of years, I've sold a bunch of my bent pipes and all but one of my church wardens. And uh, my collection looks more and more like straight billiards with, especially with saddle bits. Now, how often do you smoke a pipe? Is it a daily thing? Um, I like to, if possible, I like to smoke four or five bowls a week. Okay. Uh, and it's usually in the evening and, uh, well, sometimes I, I'll, I'll smoke outside at work. Like if, if reading is one of the tasks I need to do that day, I'll sit outside and smoke a bowl. Um, but yeah, it's not, uh, it's definitely not an all day, every day thing. And how many pipes do you own now that you're willing to admit? <laughs> um, I think it's around 30, um, not counting a handful of cobs. And um, that's largely because once I reached about, about that number, I started um, culling the collection and selling off the pipes that I didn't really use and buying other ones that I liked more. And, um, I just, if it gets over 30, I, I start, it just starts to feel like it's too many and some, somebody's going to get left out. So. <laughs> yeah. And at, at, a, at four, you know, five bowls a week, even if you went through, one pipe a week or one pipe per bowl all the way through you're you're still way over a month rotation so yeah 
Yeah, for sure. And then I have kind of an interesting system too that I kind of fell into, which is um, my first, you know, looks wise, my first love was uh, like kind of medium, kind of like kind of walnut brown, dark stained pipes. And of course, my first my first favorite flavors were aromatics. Um, and actually still, I smoke something in every category. I really like variety. Um, but anyway, so, so most of my, my first pipes were kind of, kind of a walnut brown. And, and then, um, I started getting into English blends and I was like, well, how am I going to remember which pipes are English and which ones are aromatic? I mean, I guess I could smell them, but that would be a little boring. Like it'd be more <laughs> fun to have kind of a system. So, so I started getting black, uh, black pipes, mostly, um, like sandblasted and those are my English pipes. So my wife even knows like if she sees me with a black pipe, I'm smoking in English. And then the one that took me the longest to get into was, um, Virginia's, uh, sorry. Um, but it, uh, anyway, so those are, and those are the really light tan pipes. So, um, so whenever I'm, I'm looking for pipes on smoking pipes or if I'm at a show or whatever, I'm, I'm paying attention to colors and it's not just random, like, <laughs> uh, like each, each color kind of goes to a specific category. So anyway, that's yeah. just kind of, so you, you've, uh, you, by, by selection, you've color coded your pipes for what type of tobacco they get and it's working for you. Yeah. All right, your yes. next your next question is what was your holy grail pipe when you started and what is your holy grail pipe now? Um probably the holy grail pipe early on was a um a Peterson um 68 which is a a full bent um I guess it would be like an apple and I really liked the um Irish harp uh, finish or the um, oh I can't remember the one I actually wound up with it's similar to Irish harp but anyway um, I that was kind of the holy grail one for a while so I gradually saved up and got that and um, I don't know if I have a holy grail one now I'm kind of just trying to to have kind of a complete uh, you know like roughly 10 pipes in each category with a, in a variety of shapes, mostly billiards, but a variety. And, uh, I mean, I really like, um, I really like my Savinelli, um, Punto Oro, uh, 114. That's a really great pipe. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know if I have a Holy grail. <laughs> Yes, I guess for you with your system, you've just got to see a pipe, and if it works into kind of what you're looking for, then well, that's what it ends up being. And then, you know, you can't really, uh, I guess, you can't really dream of something if you don't know exactly what you want or what you need. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's all there. It's a you know, it's a it's an orchestra. It's not a um, it's not a single. I'm thinking about the whole collection when I'm shopping for pipes. Yeah, yeah. 
Wow. All right, that's a that's a deep answer that we could dig into longer, but that would hurt me. So, uh, <laughs> your next question is: What are a few of your favorite guests from past episodes, and why? Um, Perry Jensen definitely uh, is one, and um, and I guess partly because of a combination of he has great stories to tell. He's also a blender, and I and from from a couple weeks ago, I, I liked um, was it Ryan Bias? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I liked his answer because he likes. He said he likes um, blenders, and uh, I think I, I tend to agree. I I tend to gravitate more to those ones just because uh, it turns me on to new blends, and I I, I get new ideas for for blends to get and. I just, I like learning about what's going into what I'm experiencing. Um, and, uh, and so Pear's got that, but he's also got stories. And then he's got this delightful, these Danish isms when he's speaking in English that he says kind of odd things that <laughs> native English speakers don't say. Uh, and I just find that I just get a real kick out of that. And his English gets better the more he drinks too. So, <laughs> if you ever see him, um, oh, another one is uh, you had a guy, and I can't remember who this was, but you had a guy a couple of years ago. He is from I want to say he's from Beverly Hills, um, and uh, I he, he I know he did stuff related to show business, um, but uh, anyway, he. He was. He just had some great stories, and uh, he was one of those people who, as they're talking about the hobby, you remember. It, it reminds you of why you're into the hobby. Um, I don't know. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I think you might be talking about Wayne Powers, who is in TV. That sounds right. Yeah, and then, yeah, that sounds right. I really enjoyed him a lot. Yeah, in fact, I'm yeah. I'm drinking a tea that I bought from his company, T uh, T Rex. So. <laughs> it's funny you brought him up. Um, your next yeah. question is, what is your favorite thing to do while smoking a pipe? Ideally, sitting outside in 60-ish degree weather, so that's usually going to be like in the fall, Yeah. Um, and reading a good, uh, reading a good book, be it uh, Bible or devotional or theology book or whatever but um that's that's kind of the ideal most magical situation usually so it could either be reading the good book or reading a good book about the good book it, it tends to be yeah, yeah especially in my line of work yeah. although i have since uh, audible i have uh really up to my fiction game which has been good <laughs> All right, your next question is you get to ask me anything you want to know. Or <laughs> ask me anything and I may know it. Okay. God taps you on the head and he gives you unlimited musical ability. Um, oh, boy. What would you play and what group would you join, assuming that they, they were like, Brian, you're amazing, please join us. Um, what... What would you do with that? Oh wow! Um, 
this is one time where I may actually have to edit and hold myself for a question. Hold, you know, um, uh, yeah. Um, so I've had this lifelong, uh, (laughs) let's put it this way. I have for many, many years of my life, I have abused the instrument. Some people call the guitar. Okay. And I originally got into it because I thought, well, the guitar is cool and girls will like me. Didn't work <laughs> because they only like people that know how to really play. Um, oh, yeah. But at the same time, I was at a convention and I knew and I'd taken like three years of guitar lessons. And, and then I went and saw a guy named Al Demiola who I had never heard of before, I went and saw him play guitar. And I thought, you know, as you're sitting up close watching somebody like that, um, you know, I, I know how the guitar is played. I know the basic chords. I know what things should sound like. And if somebody's really good, I know how well they can sound but he was really good and he was getting sounds out of that guitar and I had no idea how he was doing it. And I was six feet away from him. So from that point on, um, you know, originally I wanted to be the long haired guy with all the girls, you know, you know, uh, climbing all over, you know, whatever. I I thought that was going to be the route, you know, that might do it. But then I, that wasn't ever going to happen. Um, I think honestly, if I could, I would love to learn how to play, I mean, real jazz blues guitar. And, you know, I've got this kind of bromance going with Harry Connick Jr., although Harry doesn't know about it. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, just to play with him, I mean, that'd be a blast. Um, yeah. And I, and, and before, before I came up with this answer, I thought, you know, there's plenty of people that I'd like to play like, but I want to play like me as well as I could to play with in Harry's band. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to become Brian May and replace him in queen because I want, you gotcha. know, or Eddie Van Halen and replace him in Van Halen. I don't want to be the new yeah. copy. I want to be, yeah, you know, somebody that's playing in, like you said before, in an entire band or an orchestra, and the whole thing just works. Yeah. So yeah, that's there a you good go. Answer, I feel like. Yeah, that was tough. Boy, you're hurt. All right, let's get to the fast five final questions before you just <laughs> fry ever, the last little bit of brain cells that I have. Uh, no right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Okay. What is your favorite pipe? Uh, probably that Savinelli Punto Oro right now. Uh, uh, the saddle bit uh, billiard. And what is your favorite tobacco? Um, probably the alternate favorite would still be Schwab's Ebonite, although um, uh, Hearth and Home 10 to Midnight has definitely... Uh, climbed over a bunch of other English blends to become my favorite English. So that would be my number two. And what is your favorite drink? Still bourbon, especially uh, Woodford Reserve. I don't, 
I don't buy a whole lot of it because it's kind of expensive for me. But uh, when I do get to have some Woodford, it is fantastic. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Um, probably a book, like across the span of my life. Um, yeah, probably a book. And then finally, do you have a five, a favorite pipe smoking related memory? Um, well, yeah. Um, and I shared a different one a couple of years ago and no mm-hmm. one's going to remember it anyway, but something a little more recent one that I'd like to share is actually, um, so I saw this idea on um, one of the, uh, I think it was the Gentleman's Pipe Smoking Society on Facebook. And uh, this guy has this set of two barlings and, that he and his friends share, and they don't live very close to each other. And they take turns keeping the set. It comes in this, you know, box that fits them. And they take turns keeping the set, and they only smoke them when they're together. Oh, wow. And I just thought that is the coolest thing. That is the coolest idea. So, um, so my uh, son, Clay, is only nine right now. Um, but we were going through a little bit of a a little bit of a rough patch a, about a year ago. Um, just there was a lot of discipline that needed to happen. On you but, or um, on him? I, <laughs> uh, well, with him in this case. But, okay. Um, anyway, but uh, I found a set of two um, long chants. Uh, it, it was actually uh, Bishop's Pipes, who's been on the mm-hmm. show before. Um, he had a set of two long champs in a case. So um, I actually bought those from him, and uh, Clay and I broke those out and smoked them. I'm just kidding. I didn't, I didn't have them <laughs> smoked. <laughs> um, but I, I wrapped those up, and I, I gave it to him for his birthday, and before he opened it, I said, um, you won't be able to use this right away. You'll need to wait until you're 18 uh, or maybe 21 now. Yeah. But this is something that we'll get to use together. Um, and so he opened that, and he was over the moon. And he was telling friends about it for weeks, which probably makes <laughs> me sound like a terrible father to them. But um, anyway, uh, just his excitement about that and the fact that he's looking forward to being old enough to join the uh, and smoking a pipe um, is—it's both a memory, but it's also something that I'm really looking forward to. You may have looked bad to his, to the friends, uh, to the parents of his friends, but I think you just won Father of the Year award from several thousand Pipes Magazine radio show listeners. Yeah, and I hope you know if someone else wants to steal that idea, be my guest. Yeah, there you go. Jess Steer, thank you very much for coming on and doing this. I hope to hope to see you again somewhere on the road at one of these pipe shows and uh, you know, sit down and have a bowl with you again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, I just want to say I really appreciate uh, what you're doing here for, for the community. Thanks. We'll be back in just a minute. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at SmokingPipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. 
When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection, or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at 1-888-366-0345, and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are SmokingPipes.com. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. Um... Yeah, uh, you know what? Uh, Jess is one of those guys that I could hang out with and chat with for forever. And someday will. You know, someday will. Um, our musical choices are slightly different. Uh, you know, and like anything, like with tobacco and pipes and women and, you know, and you know, life partners, we all have uh, things that we like that are different than other people. Um, you know, there's a couple of realms of music that just, don't get me. I, I'm sorry. I'm not into rap. I'm not into opera and um, uh, speed metal or, you know, the extra heavy, heavy metal is not my thing. But uh, for Jess, he suggested this song from a band called Demon Hunter. And Demon Hunter is an American Christian heavy metal band from Seattle. Uh, it's a, uh, I guess I would consider it to be in the realm of like Metallica in that style, but this song is called On My Side.
And again, the band is called Demon Hunter. Uh, all I can imagine is that the guitar player goes through a ton of guitar picks. Uh, the drum, the drummer just must tear those drum heads apart. But I mean, that's there. There is a lot of notes in those songs. And now I can just picture what Casey Ghost is thinking. What's this? A letter. For me. And remember, mailbag comments, questions, email them directly to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com. Or if you're on Pipes Magazine, you can leave them right down there under the comments section, right on the radio show page. Or you can do the best thing out there, which is go to iTunes and leave a rating and a review, just like Hooban84 did. And it says, five stars, one of the best. Uh, he writes, this show is hands down one of the best podcasts out there. If you love pipes and pipe tobacco, this podcast is for you. Great guests and host. Well, great host. He's got low standards. Uh, anyway, so uh, rolling on, going back to last week's show with, uh, with Jody. And uh, I listened to it on uh, Thursday, and boy, did I sound rough. I sounded, even during the interview part, I sounded really rough. And yeah, thankfully, I'm feeling much better. Uh, voice is fine. Uh, Steve writes, it was good hearing your conversation with Jody. In your introduction, my ears perked up when you said that he was with the Newsboys. I've been a fan of their music for a long time. Had no idea that Jody was so multi-talented. While listening to the interview, I looked at his website and then went over to smokingpipes.com. They are beautiful pipes, albeit a bit out of my range. Maybe someday. Uh, always love hearing Satchmo. When I was a young whippersnapper, my parents would sometimes take me to Disneyland. I would ride the attractions, and they would watch Louis Armstrong. Now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure they planned our Disneyland trips around who would be performing at the park. And I thought it was all about me. Clever parents. <laughs> By the way, your recent series on must-try tobaccos was really helpful for this novice pipe smoker. Thanks, blessing Steve Webb. Uh, and Steve was on the show uh, a year ago. Yeah. Anyway, um, so so uh, funny thing is, I, I had another discussion with another uh, with another guy who grew up around Disneyland, and his parents used, and he used to go to Disneyland a lot. Uh, for those of you that aren't old enough to remember, Disneyland had a lot of these big bands, including Count Basie, uh, Louis Armstrong and his orchestra, Duke Ellington's orchestra, Xavier Cugat. They'd have them come in and play for two weeks. At uh, when I was there, there's a place called Carnation Plaza Gardens, and you know when when I was in college, I'd go down there and listen to them after work, and then the old timers were out there dancing to them. So, yes, that was definitely Disneyland's plan was to get the adults to come in, hear the music, and unleash the kids on the rest of the park. All right, uh, going on with the rest of the mailbag. Um, Dino writes, uh, Jody's description of the creative process involved in producing the Amore pipe was absolutely fascinating. However, the sound was extremely annoying. It was as if Jody was busy building an arc for the coming rains as he popped into whatever crappy device he was using. <laughs> Great conversation, lousy sound. Yeah, I can agree with that. And uh, Jody lives out in the middle of nowhere, too. Uh, 
Dino goes on to write, I love the song from Pops. You can never go wrong with Mr. Armstrong. Your closing remarks were quite affecting, real, and will probably help someone who needs a perk up nicely done. Thanks, Dino. You are welcome, Dino. Uh, and then Casey Ghost writes, as always a good show, the pipe parts segment was a good discussion of the factors that go into selecting a pipe. Assuming the pipe is in the guy's price range, I've always felt his next criteria was, does it fit his mind's eye? If it doesn't suit him, he won't buy it. If angels were to promise him, it was a great smoker. Uh, then when you put it in your mouth, how does it feel? If it feels good, you're one step closer to the sale. Most pipes you can't take for a test drive before you buy, so that pretty well sums it up. Uh, Jody makes some fantastic pipes, well out of my price range, but I do like them a lot. Uh, except for this thing called Amori. I hope this pipe set was a commission. On the discussion with Jody, he was a little stiff in his comments. I felt this was due to do with the questions about how did he dream up the Amore pipe. Uh, it's hard to say where creative people get their vision from. Who knows, maybe he has a muse. And <laughs> who knows, maybe he has a muse. It's what separates the journeyman pipe carver from the guy who is getting $1,000 up for his pipes. Uh, it wasn't one of Satchmo's classics, but it was a pleasure to listen to. Well, yeah, it wasn't one of Satchmo's classics. It was one of his lesser known. Um, and, I'll, and I'll say that, you know, when you... When I talk to an artist about the creative process, yeah, some you know some of these guys, especially somebody like Jody who makes his own guitars, makes music, makes pipes, uh, they just do it so intuitively that it's hard to get it's hard to get us to understand it, and it's hard to even ask the right questions. Uh, Kanea says I had a conversation with Jody at Tobacco World four or five years ago when his band was in town. He is a very unassuming, genuine gentleman. It was a pleasure getting to know him. Yeah, so sometimes when Jody's traveling with the band and they've got the afternoon off, he'll go look for a tobacco shop. Uh, and then we'll finish it up with what Chris Streeper says. I've been a big fan of Jody Davis and the Newsboys for a very long time. This discussion about the Amore pipe was so good, I was able to develop a picture of what it looked like in my head. It was no surprise that when I visited the radio show page to find a picture of the Amore pipe, it was exactly what I had, what I had envisioned. Jody Davis truly is a talent. I hope one day to be able to pick up one of his pipes. Uh, on that note, I'll say keep an eye on the estate market, you know, estate, you know, pre-owned pipes. Uh, and then he goes on to say, on another note, it was unfortunate that such an amazing show had to conclude on such a somber note. I will echo your words, Brian, and add the following. Suicide is a permanent answer to a temporary problem. Please reach out to someone, anyone. I happen to be a certified chaplain, and I'm available anytime, and I can be reached via email. And he put his email and his phone number on there, so you can go to the radio show page and see that. Uh, and then he signed off respectfully, Chris, plus... Uh, he posted a link to a video that he did earlier this year on the very subject. Hopefully it helps some people. And I'll just add on there that, you know, times are tough in the world right now and it's uh, stressing and stretching everybody to their, uh, to their deepest. And yeah, these are temporary problems that we're in and not permanent. 
All right, comments, questions, again, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on Pipes Magazine. You can go into the forums, and there is a Pipes Magazine radio show category there, and post them right there, too. And in just a moment, rant time. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. spam and email junk in your inbox yeah that's the story and i had a bit of a problem recently because i tried upgrading to a uh, you know to a new uh joint email inbox thing all through outlook.com and merged everything together it was supposed to help me keep things organized and help me dial up my uh, my security features and stop people like this Long story short, it caused more problems than it was worth, and I had to undo it because I found out that it was blocking a whole bunch of stuff that I needed to get. <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, turns out any I had to approve each sender before it was going to come in. And anyway, but here's the reason why I really looked at it. All right, you get uh, you get the standard junk emails in your inbox, and you just delete them. You know, it's whatever Russian brides and. You know the new uh, the new miracle cure and the new uh, and your uncle in Nigeria that wants to send you money. Well, in addition to that, I get these through the podcast and they are collab emails. Here's my favorite one that I got of recently, and it's from uh, Robert Gate, and it says, "Hi Brian, yeah, they use my name. Uh, I'm putting together an expert roundup post on deer hunting tips, and I naturally wanted to invite you to contribute." <laughs> I don't know why he naturally wanted to invite me to contribute because the only thing I know about hunting is that according to the Missouri Meerschaum thing, you're supposed to do hunting at dawn. My idea of dawn is, you know, 10 a.m. You know. Anyway, it goes on to say the question is, for a new deer hunter, what are the top three keys to success? And he says, I know you're busy, so a lengthy response isn't necessary. And it says, oh, and P.S., we've already received responses from uh, Candy Kiske, Whitetail White Freak TV, Michael Lee of Backwoods Life, Mike Hunsucker of Heartland Bowhunter Show, and a couple other people. And boy, does this sound like a great opportunity, except... <laughs> I'll be honest with you. The only th the only thing I know about deer hunting is that if you want to hit a if you want to get a deer, just go out at night with your headlights on, drive at fifty five miles an hour, and the dumb things jump in the road at you. So uh, that collab, and there was another one from a, a great online sports book who thought that you know the Pipes Magazine radio show would be a great collab with this great online sports book brand that this lady's representing and. 
Oh, it had a nice little cute picture of her and everything. And anyway, these are the emails that I get. And boy, are they just a waste of time. So let's not waste any more of your time. Thank you very much to Jess for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. The clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Let me set the scene for you. I got on camouflage pants, I got on a camouflage jacket, I got camouflage paint on my face. I have got a 1997 30-06 with a laser scope. She is in a yellow jogging suit, white tennis shoes, and she brought her purse. I'm here to kill a deer, she's gonna take it shopping.